Let's pray. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on um, uh, this morning as we come before his word and uh, hear what the Lord has to, has to say to us. Heavenly Father, we, we are thankful and grateful for all the wonderful things that you give to us. Our very breath and the very life that you have for us, Lord God, and the very, very existence today means that life is worth living. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord God, that you are a gracious Father who gives incredible gifts, and particularly the gift of your Son. And as we just reflect this morning on this gift, this gift of hope, Father, we pray that you may speak to our hearts and speak to our lives and instill in us a hope that the world cannot take away and a hope that our circumstances cannot take away. So, Father, I pray your blessing on all those that are listening this morning and may your spirit work and speak to every heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I just find the seasons of life a fascinating, a fascinating concept. I don't know if you've pondered, pondered that before, but, uh, you know, the seasons of life, I mean, who, how do we even predict them in life? Do, how do we predict things that are going to happen? There are things that are unpredictable in life. There are things that sometimes are um, unexpected uh, in, in life, um, even things that are sometimes unwanted in life. You know, you can't say that everything that happens to you, you think, yes, bring it on, I want this. Uh, but the seasons of life are quite a fascinating thing because they are. They're, so, they're kind of so unpredictable and sometimes even, even not something that you really, really want. And you can go from having something that is an incredible, wonderful experience. You know, there are sometimes we have things that are unexpected in life that give us so much joy. Something's happened. You've heard some news that bring us so much joy. You know, you feel like you're on top of the world and then all of a sudden you hear some news and then you feel like you're in the depth of despair and darkness. <laughs> Who understands our emotions? <laughs> how do we even come to terms with how we feel sometimes? You know, we know God has given us these things, these incredible things we call emotions, but how do we even, how do we even come to comprehend and understand why we feel the way we feel and how we feel if, from certain times that we can go from one extreme to another in such a short period of time? And yet we know and we're blessed because we understand that God has given us these things called emotions because he wants us to use them for good reasons. He wants us to use them so that we can cope and deal and respond to things in a way that is healthy and helpful for us as his people. So when we have this great sense of joy, we celebrate, don't we? We celebrate. Now, we don't celebrate in unhealthy ways. We don't go around you know, carrying on and swearing and celebrating. No, we don't do that. We do it in a way that's that is honorable to the Lord, but, we, but we, we, we have an experience that is joyful. And the same when we have these experiences of deep sadness. We don't, we, don't, we don't walk around threatening people because we're so down in our circumstances. No, but we, we, we deal with them in ways that is honorable to the Lord and we grieve, don't we? We grieve, we get sad, we cry. We do these things because this is healthy. This is how God's designed us. We do these things because God has permitted us to be like this. He, he has allowed us so that we can, we can express how we feel. We can cope with how we're, what we're going through. And the scriptures are beautiful because the scriptures tell, share with us stories of people who have grieved deeply about certain circumstances and have responded in all different ways. Isn't it fantastic that the Bible doesn't say, you know, you're grieving, this is how you're meant to grieve. 
Isn't it beautiful? Like, and, but rather it gives us this, this spectrum of examples of people who during their grief they either wept or they fasted or they prayed because everybody's so different. And so the scriptures tells us, tells us these experiences and it allows us to understand and to appreciate that in these times of great sadness or in these times of, of pain, we, we, we respond also differently because of the way the Lord made us. However, in those experiences, in those experiences, God gives us a word that says, I understand what your experience is. I get what your experience is. But let me tell you something that you can have in this experience. And the word that he gives and he communicates to us is a word of hope. And, and for the Christian, this somehow is able to lift their spirits, not necessarily to great heights of joy, but out of the depth of despair. And it gives them an element of, of hope. In, in the circumstance. It doesn't make all things good. It doesn't make all things better. It doesn't necessarily make you smile straight away, but it, there's a depth of, of hope that you can't explain necessarily, but it sits there and it allows you to get through. And I want to share this verse to you, one verse that comes to mind. It says this in Thessalonians. You don't need to turn to it because I'll, we'll turn to our passage in, in a moment. It says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep or those who've passed away. He says that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring him with him those who have fallen asleep. And so Paul is communicating something very simple, very simple truth to us that he wants us to understand. He says, you know what, listen, I get the fact that you're grieving and I get the fact that you're sad. But I want to communicate something to you because I want to lift you up out of this place of despair where you might be tempted to think, oh, this is final. This is it forever. And it's often these thoughts that bring us down and discourage us. And he says, I, tell you, I want to tell you something. Those who have fallen asleep... God's going to bring them back again with Christ, those who have trusted the Lord and reunite you, reunite with you who've also trusted the Lord because there is great hope in that. And so for the Christian and for Christians, God is wants to instill in us this element of hope to say, yes, there will be a time where you'll be reunified. There will be a time where you'll see each other once again. And that confidence or that hope that we have is a confidence, he says, unlike the world. What's the world? Well, those who don't trust in the word of God. Those who find it hard to believe anything that God has to say. They can't trust him or they dismiss him or they reject him. He says, but I don't want you to be like this because you have trusted him. You have believed in him. So I want you to believe his word as well. If you're old enough in the church, if you've been here long enough in the church, you know that years ago we, um, there was, uh, well, he's actually still singing today, but there was a, a Christian song writer, Steve Curtis Chapman, who we listened to a lot of his songs, and, and he wrote one song many, many years ago that I, I came across recently, and I just wanted to share a bit of the song with you. It's, it's called Higher Ways. If you're familiar with the song, you probably will hear the tune as I'm, as I'm reading these words to you. It's called Highways, and he starts with this. He starts with this um, in his song. He says, if, if I could only fly, he goes, I'd go up and look down from the sky. He said, and so I could see the bigger picture. Ever feel like that? I just want to see the bigger picture. What's going on? 
And he says, and Lord, if I could sit with you at your feet for an hour or two, I'm sure I'd ask too many questions. Ever felt like that? If you could just sit at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, what Jesus says to you, what do you want to know? <laughs> How many of us are okay, Lord, it's a big list of questions that you want to find out from me. And the older you get in life, the more questions on your list. Because if I could sit with you for an hour, I'm sure I'd ask too many questions. Because he says, because there is so much going on down here that I must confess, I just don't understand. And how many of us have found ourselves in a place where, um, where, where, where there's experiences in life and, and we, we say to ourselves, I don't get it. I don't get this. <laughs> I don't get why this is happening. I don't get why this happened. I don't get why I have to go through this experience. And we have these seasons of life that we have to go through in times when we either they're unwanted, unpredicted, unexpected. But we go through them because this is life. And we'd love answers for them. And God, for whatever reason, his wisdom holds back those answers, but says to us, you have hope. You have hope. And I want to ask you this morning, when you have seasons like this, where's your hope? Who do you put your hope in? Where do you find hope? Do you find rest in your hope? Do you find a sense of peace with this hope? Do you hope in yourself? Do you hope in someone you know, or do you, hope in, do you hope in your creator who says to you, I give you this hope, I promise you in this hope, and he promises a whole range, range of things. Where is your hope? Where do you place it? Because sometimes I find in life that in everything that we try and place our hope in, in one shape or another, in one way or another, it lets us down until we find this rest, a rest in the hope that Jesus Christ brings. That's faith. That's faith. And so this morning, I want to read a story about the birth of Christ that I think is a really beautiful example of how God reveals this hope to mankind, how God reveals this hope to the world and to every living being. And it's a great story for us to understand and to reflect on and think, okay, Lord, what are you trying to communicate through this story, the very birth of Christ? Because if you ask people today, is Christmas still a, is still a time of hope? I wonder what people would say. Can we really look at the story of Christmas? Can we really look at the story of the birth of Christ and say to ourselves, hey, there is still hope in this story? And there are many people in the world today that will say, no, I look at the story of Christmas and I don't see hope. What I see is so many other things, but I'm telling you the truth, when we look truly at the story of Christmas again, when we look truly at God's generosity to give us his son, we see in this a beautiful picture of hope that we can take away with us. So I'd like to read a story about God's extraordinary message to some very ordinary men. And if you want to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and we'll read from verse 8 to 12 or 8 to 11, and how what God does here, he communicates this a wonderful story, wonderful story to some very, very ordinary men of the day called shepherds. It'd be nice to meet a shepherd, wouldn't it? It'd be lovely to meet a shepherd, to hear about the shepherd's experience, how they do life, you know, what it's like, you know, uh, nurturing their sheep, what it's like protecting their sheep. And these shepherds were doing their work faithfully. They were in the, in the nighttime, the sun had gone down, and here they were looking after their sheep. Presumably, they're looking after their sheep from and taking care like a night watch from the enemy or the wolves. 
or whatever else they need to do at night time. And here they are going about their daily business, doing what they have to do. And God says to himself, I want to tell them something. I want to tell them this remarkable story of what's just happened. And perhaps, and, and by the timing of what we read in the scriptures, when the angels come to the, the shepherds, it's probably the same day that Jesus was born. Or if it wasn't the same day, it certainly was the day after. It was a very, very um, short time period from the time that Jesus was born. So I want to read verses 8, start from verse 8, and then we'll go back and we'll look at some of these verses and what, what, what God is communicating to us in, in regards to this great hope. Now it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the, in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. I just want to stop there. And here's this really short story that we're, many of us are very familiar with where the angels decide or God decides that he's going to send his, his crowd of angels to come and tell these shepherds this wonderful story or to illuminate, if you like, their minds and their hearts, this wonderful story of his son being born. It's God is giving this extraordinary story to very ordinary men. And I love this because it's the way God does things in life. God takes his truths and he gives them to people who aren't necessarily uh, recognized or people of reputation in this world because what he sees is he sees hearts that are hungry for truth. How do you explain that? How do you explain as God revealing things to certain people and not to other people because people's hearts are closed and maybe they think their own goodness somehow is going to save them and God's not looking at their own goodness. God's looking at the intent of their heart and what's going on in their lives and he's revealing truth truths, extraordinary truths, but in our world today, it gets upside down. Did you know that? Our world turns it upside down. We have ordinary people thinking, thinking that they've discovered or developed extraordinary truth. We have ordinary people who go about their life and, and, they're, dis, and they're learning and they're studying and they're exploring and all of a sudden they think, oh, guess what? I found the meaning of life. And, and they've got no idea. They're far from the truth. You know, they're ordinary people trying to find extraordinary truth and God's looking at them and thinking, what are you doing? I've given it to you. Why are you spending your whole life studying and researching when I've told you clearly what it is? I say in our world, there is this desire and a pursuit for knowledge. People pursue knowledge in life. People pursue meaning in life. People want to get to the heart of who we are and why we exist. And God's revealed it all for us. And so people, ordinary people are trying to find extraordinary truth. And God's saying, I'm giving it to you. I, I gave it to you. And here's a story of him giving it to very ordinary people. Shepherds. Nothing necessarily significant about them other than they were doing their job, their job faithfully. And in this story, we see this beautiful, uh, this, this hope that God instills or God gives uh, to them through the birth of his son. Look at verse 8. And there they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel stands before them. 
You know, I just told you how Jesus was just born, yeah? The birth of Jesus just happened. I don't know about you, but those of you that have had children before, um, I know when my, ch- my children were born, one of the first things I did <laughs> in the hospital was get on the phone and call my family. Guess what? It's a girl. Guess what? It's a boy. Oh, we've called him this. And one of the first things I did out of excitement was to actually communicate this wonderful truth to someone else because everyone's waiting in anticipation. Come on, his boy, is it a girl? What's, what he and, and so I call, and, and I'm, I'm speaking out of a great joy that, that the child was born. And it's like what God is doing here. He's just, his son is just being born. He's saying, I want to tell someone. I want to tell someone about this beautiful birth of my son. And he, he, he directs his attention from the great shepherd that's just been born to these ordinary shepherds. And he says, I want to communicate something to them. So he, he sends his angels and he says, go tell them. No phones. Go tell them. Let them know this great news has just happened. And what a, what a, what a privilege that the shepherds had to hear the stories. Like the God the Father is ringing them up and saying, Oh, guess what? He's born. And here they were doing their... And, and they have to somehow digest and process all this stuff that's going on. And they're trying to imagine what on earth is happening. And you can imagine if an angel stands before you and then all of a sudden this big host from heaven, you're not going to stand there and think, Oh, this is cool. You're going to be afraid. What's happening? And this is their experience. They, they start with a place of fear. They start with a place of, of, of confusion. What's going on here? But I love the fact that God the Father wants to communi- communicate this to them and he, he wants to reveal something beautiful to them. And he says, I think it's in, um, no, we won't go there yet. But he wants to communicate something to them because he's just, his son has been born and his son is in this in this a stable and he's placed in this manger and he wants to communicate to them. So these are ordinary men who would understand or begin to understand these truths that God is deciding to leave his glory and send his son into this world to become the savior of the world. And so he didn't go from glory to more glory. He left glory to come and humble himself to be the savior for you and I. And there's something very significant about that. The Bible tells us in Corinthians, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. That's what Jesus did. Though he was rich, in glory, in heaven, watching the world go past and what's going on. He's not rich financially, but rich in all his glory. He left this and became poor, simple man, like you and I, taking on our nature, experiencing what we're experiencing, feeling what we're feeling, getting the temptations that we get in life and enduring this, going to the cross that you now and I can become rich. That you and I now can know the glory of the Lord that you and I now can experience the glory of the Lord. Take us from our lowly state and lift us up to a place of life and freedom. Great hope. But Jesus went before us and became this for us. And he says in verse 9 here, And then, behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now, it's harder for us to understand how they would be greatly afraid, but it's 
it's easier once we start to comprehend the, the, the majesty of what they would have seen. And we know in the Bible, this is no different to other people who had these experiences as well. What happened to the women when they went to the tomb? They saw an angel. And at that tomb, when they saw the angel, they were afraid. And the angel had to communicate, look, look, it's okay, it's fine, because I know you're looking for Jesus, and go tell the disciples what's happened. Don't be afraid. But, but how can you not be afraid? I'm seeing an angel. And God understands, and exp- understands their experience. God knows what they're, ex- what they're going through. God knows what, this is all too much for them, and he brings comfort. He brings good tidings. He brings great joy to them because he understands this experience. And I tell you the truth, sometimes you hear the gospel for the first time, and for some people their first experience is one of complete fear. What? What? You're telling me that this is why Jesus came? What? You're telling me that, that I've sinned and I need to give my life to the Lord, that I need to confess? And there's this sense of fear all around what is expected from them. And then all of a sudden, as the Spirit of God works in their life and they listen and open up their heart, there's an incredible sense of peace, knowing they can be free. I don't know where you put your hope in this morning, but I know that if it's not in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will go through seasons of life without any kind of anchor for your soul. You'll just be washed by these seasons. You'll just be washed by the brokenness of life. Perhaps the tide will take you, but you don't know where it's going to go. You're, just, you're hoping that it won't be too rough. And not unlike another time in the Scriptures, and I'll, when, uh, when John the Apostle finds himself, now get this, not on earth necessarily, but he sees a picture of heaven in Revelation. Listen to what it says here. He said, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. You see a pattern here? He said, Look, I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. You mathematicians, how, many, how much is that? 10,000 times 10,000 and the thousands upon thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And the creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are on the sea and all of them I heard them saying, blessing and glory and honor be power and power be to him who sits on the throne. And they all fell down and they worshipped him. Again, another picture of heaven, beautiful picture of heaven. And here they have the privilege, these shepherds, to actually experience this. They, they experience what happens and their first response is a response of fear. Do you remember John in Revelation said this, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Sense of being overwhelmed. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. He says the same thing to him. Don't be afraid. They're overwhelmed with this sense of fear. He sees Jesus and he falls like a dead man. And Jesus says, Get up. Don't be afraid. It's me. I'm the first and the last. So I understand why the shepherds here would have experienced this. But what I particularly understand is the hope they're given. So look at verse 10. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all 
people. I love this verse. He says, don't be afraid because what I'm actually communicating to you is good news of great joy, which will be to all people. Anyone who wants this, I've got it for them. Anyone who wants to understand this, it is for them. And this is good news of great joy, referring to the birth of Christ, but it's also good news of great joy in any seasons of life. In any season of life, God is saying, I tell you what, I understand the experience you're going through, but I want to tell you something. I'm going to give you something that's called good news of great joy. You're anxious, I've got good news of great joy. You're stressful, you're stressed, I've got good news of great joy. You're confused, I've got good news of great joy. You're broken, I've got good news of great joy. You're painful, you're hurting, someone's hurt you, I've got good news of great joy. And God says this because he says, I want to give this to all people, this good news of great joy, yes, specifically around the birth of Christ, but generally in any season of life. This is great hope. This is great hope. Because the Word of God Himself became flesh, and the Word of God itself becomes our hope. Listen to the psalmist, Psalm 119. My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your Word. Do you hear that? Psalm 119, that was verse 81. My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your in your word. Listen to Psalm 119, verse 147. I rise before the dawning of the morning. I cry for help. I hope in your word. Do you hear that? I don't know about you, but when you go through stressful times in, in life, uh, maybe it's hard to sleep. Maybe it's, it's difficult to stay asleep in the mornings. He says, you know what I do? He says, I rise before the dawning of the morning and I cry for help. I hope in your word. So I don't know, I'm seeing here a man who experiences the seasons of life but understands the turmoil of the emotion but the trust and the hope in the word of God. So whether it's a time of fear in your life, you cry out, but you hope in the Word. You hope in the Word of God and you hope in the Word of life, Christ. Whether it's a time of drifting and you're in a place today where you know, you know, even though even anywhere, everyone else doesn't know, you know you've drifted from the Lord. That even in this time, there is a word of hope. Come back. Had enough of the, the pig's food? Had enough? Can't stomach it anymore? Come back. Your father's waiting. You know this morning that if it's a time of brokenness in your life, that somehow something has broken you, whether it's an experience or another person, you know this morning the word of hope whether it's the word of God or the word of life himself, it's the word of hope. And he says, the angel said to him, don't be afraid. I'm going to bring you good news of great joy. He's called Jesus. And if you trust in his word, this is going to bring great hope in, any, in every season. Look at verse 11. For there is... Born to you this day in the city of David, 
a saviour who is Christ the Lord. <laughs> and this is Jesus, the saviour. You know, Matthew one twenty one, uh, the angel, I believe, tells Mary, he says, you're going to have a baby, he's going to be a boy, and I'll, give, I'll make it even easier for you. You don't look, need to look through all these baby name books. I'm going to tell you what his name is going to be. His name's going to be Jesus. Okay, Lord, angel, why is he going to be called Jesus? Oh, because Jesus means something. It means he's going to save the people from their sins. You know, I tried to do a bit of an experiment. I tried to look up my name. What does Barry mean? Didn't tell me much. I just saw it, found some Irish history word called fair-headed. I'm not really fair-headed, although I'm becoming more fair-headed. But, it's, but, you know, but Jesus, his name, means to save people from their sins. Why is that so significant? Well, you know, you're smart enough to know. Look at the world around you. Look what the sin has damaged our world. Think about it for a moment. Look at the abuse in our world. Look at the brokenness in our world. Look at the way people relate to each other in our world. Look at the pollution in our world. Look how sin, people have damaged this world because of sin. And then now let's, let's take our eyes off the world for a moment and look at yourself. Look at what it's done to you. Look at the way you've treated people. Look at the way people have treated you. The brokenness in your own relationships. The pain in your own hearts. And you see, all of a sudden, sin has crept in and somehow distorted and, and ruined things for you. And he says, hang on, I said, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to send him to you because he's going to save you from your sins. Those that are internal, that are ruining you, and for eternity in heaven. I'm going to save you from that. I'm going to give you hope on this world, in this life to recover from the damages of sin, where those relationships that seem to be so uh, a place of you can't repair, I'm going to make them repairable and restorable because in Christ that's possible. And then I'm going to say to you, when it comes to the place of time of death, there is hope that's called eternity with your Saviour. So he's going, to be, he's going to come into this world and he's going to be called Jesus because he's going to save the people from their sins. Is there any greater hope, beloved, than this? But if you don't have it, I understand if you sit here listening to me today without this hope. I understand if in your heart you think, boy, I don't feel that. All I feel is deep despair. I get that. Until you come to a place of rest knowing he is your hope. So three things he's mentioned here, Jesus. He's given three titles. He's given the title of a saviour. The city of David, a saviour, who is Christ the Lord. Did you notice that? He's given three titles, saviour, Christ, and Lord. Why is that so significant? Because they all require three responses. That if he's the saviour, then I'm a sinner that needs to repent. If he's the Christ, then I need to acknowledge that this is the only answer God has sent into this world, the anointed, to come and save me from my sin. And if he's the Lord, then I'm required to surrender to him. Do you get that? All three beautiful titles that aren't just to be nice titles with glossy lights, but titles that require each one of them my response. Yes, Lord, I've sinned against you. Yes, Lord, you are the Christ. Yes, Lord, I surrender. And in that, we find great hope. In that, we find great hope. <clears throat> and then finally, verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. He'll be a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying 
in a manger. I love this. You know why I love this? It's a very simple verse. Maybe I'm not right here. Maybe you want to correct me afterwards. But I see this. I see God is revealing to the shepherds something that they can identify with. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't God speak to you? You know, sometimes people walk away and they think, oh, it was great what you said because it really spoke to me in this way. And then someone else says, oh, it was really great what you said because it really spoke to me in this way. And I think clearly it's not me. God speaks to you in ways that you can understand, doesn't he? God speaks to you with language that you get. And he's telling the shepherds here, hey, guess what? This is going to be the sign for you. I know you're shepherds. You get the thing about stables and mangers. Go, because he's going to be in a manger. It's like their home ground. Like their home territory. Go. Check it out. Wow. He's in a, he's in a stable? He's in a manger? I get that. I'm going. I'm going to check this out for myself. And it's like he understands the shepherds and he wants to share this beautiful news in a way that they can relate to. And I love that about God because he sees the heart of men and women. He sees what they need. He sees either their brokenness and their pain and he speaks to them accordingly. And he says, I get you. I understand you. I experienced what you experienced. And they go and, of course, The great multitude of angels sing glory to God in the highest and peace and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Where is your hope? Who is our hope? I want to finish with the last part of that song I started with today, Highways. The song ends like this. He says, but I have prayed and at your feet my whole life has been laid. So I won't worry and I won't be afraid because my soul is resting in your highways. And then he says this, and someday I will fly and maybe then you'll take me aside and, I, and show me the bigger picture. But until I'm with you, I'll be here with a heart that is true and a soul that's resting on your highways. That's the great hope we have in Christ. Let's pray. Our loving Father, Lord, we come before you and we thank you for the birth of Jesus Christ. We thank you that in his birth, Father, you bring good news of great joy. That through his birth and through his life and through his death and through his resurrection, we see the great power of God to restore this earth, this place, our hearts from the damage of sin. And Lord, though we've shamed you, in so many ways, you restore us, you heal us, you forgive us. And Lord, we come trusting you. We come trusting you in your word and believing that through this word that you've given us, there is great hope. And I pray for anyone this morning. Father, I sincerely pray if there's anyone this morning that is living without this hope, that they may take a glance this Christmas and they may see the glory of God and the great hope that is in Jesus Christ. May they come to you humbly and may they find rest and hope in you. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for your goodness toward us and we pray your blessing throughout the week, all that we do, the carols, the Christmas Eve service. We pray your hand, your blessing 
that we may see you honored and honor given where honor is due. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.